Are attractional churches past their peak? And also, why are charismatic churches and church attendance at charismatic churches growing in the United States? Well, Kerry Newhoff is going to tackle both of these questions in this article from his website, Five Reasons Charismatic Churches Are Growing and Attractional Churches Are Past Peak. I love what he has to say in here. I think there's a lot of insight and a lot of things that we as pastors and church leaders can learn and take away from this. So we're going to dive into it. Before we do, my name is Lane. This is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. Welcome. So great to have you joining me today. You can go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days to pick up your free 21 day guide to creating killer sermons. This is a three week three-step process that walks you through how to create and deliver compelling messages. So if you've been preaching for a long time and you're looking for something fresh and new, or if you're brand new to preaching and you're just trying to figure it out, there's something in there for you to go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. He says, think about how churches were just before the pandemic hit. If you looked at almost any growing church led by young leaders, it definitely tended towards the charismatic, expressive worship, more emotional delivery in preaching, an openness to the work and activity of the Holy Spirit, and generally a warmer, more enthusiastic and expressive gathering. And a lot of the churches that leaned towards a more charismatic expression of their faith were filled with young adults and millennials. Meanwhile, many leaders in attractional churches were finding it harder and harder to reach new people. While not universally true, some had stopped growing or at least seen a slower growth rate than five or ten years ago. It's interesting how he makes a distinction between charismatic and attractional. So the way he defines charismatic is the expressive worship, more emotional delivery and preaching, openness to the work and activity of the Holy Spirit, and generally warmer, more enthusiastic and expressive gathering. When he talks about the more attractional churches, he's probably talking more about churches that would come out of the seeker-sensitive movement where they tend to muddle down anything that would seem esoteric, like the work of the Holy Spirit, meaning that they, they want to uh, avoid anything that an outsider wouldn't understand, and they want to amplify felt needs and going after helping people on a practical level. That isn't to say that charismatic churches don't do that, and it is not to say that attractional churches are never charismatic. I am just pointing out that this seems to be the distinction that he's making between charismatic and a more traditional attractional approach. Isn't it interesting that what was new 20, 30 years ago is now just considered traditional church? It's very interesting. Post-pandemic, that trend may be even more accelerated. Please hear me. This is not a they're right and you're wrong post. This is a learning together post. I love Kerry Newhoff's style that he points that out. He's not saying you're wrong if you're not charismatic. He's just saying this is what we're seeing. Actually, both the charismatic and attractional movements has, have contributed massively to reaching millions of people. There's much to learn from each other. Critics have no place here, but learners do. So what's happening? Well, culture changes and what people respond to changes too. The church should change with it. Why you should never change the mission of a church, it's eternal. You should definitely adapt the method. Churches that love their methods more than the mission will die. It happened in the 1950s, in the 1970s, 1990s, and it's happening today. What was effective a decade ago isn't always effective today. Leaders who live in the past end up dying to 
the future. While you could argue that there's a major difference in theology between charismatic and non-charismatic churches, I don't think the differences are that big for the purpose of this blog post. Anyway, the big shift is happening in how churches express themselves on the weekend and conduct their weekend experiences. So I want to get into this for a second. There are so many people who attend churches who don't even really stop to question the theology of the church. And this is especially true in churches that are large, have a big following, big attendance in the area. There's so many people that will just gravitate to a place, feel a sense of belonging there, and just assume whatever they believe is is pretty fine as long as they're in agreement on the essentials. I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying that we as pastors tend to pay very close attention to theological nuance, and the average church attendee tends not to. So he says that the big shift happening in how churches express themselves. So he's not talking so much about theology, he's talking more about expression, the way it looks, the way it's lived out. So there's some shifts here from anonymity to a sense of belonging. So in an attractional church, anonymity is key, right? You want no one to feel uncomfortable. You want no one to feel singled out. So you make everyone anonymous so that way people can attend passively. Whereas what he's saying is in charismatic churches, there's more of a sense of kind of immediate belonging. Engagement of the heart, not just the head. So you're going to have the, that's where you get the more expressive worship, the more of a of a feeling of being a part of something, not just learning theology. More variety of services than three songs and a message. Absolutely. So you might have in charismatic churches more uh, worship and more free-flowing worship than you would have in more attractional churches. More passionate expression of worship. Absolutely. Additional space during the service for prayer, yes. More thought in the service to engagement of emotions beyond, hey, we're excited you're here, welcome and upbeat music, here's something to think about, the message, right? That That's kind of the attractional model that he's saying, and there's more thought to the service and its engagement. He says, churches that miss cultural change become irrelevant. After all, the gap between how quickly you change and how quickly culture changes is called irrelevance. Personally, I'm behind any church that's doing a great job leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So in the interest of learning and growing together, here are five more charismatic churches, five reasons more charismatic churches are growing and attractional churches are moving past the peak in the current culture. So again, I'm reading Carrie Newhoff here. So number one, he says the foyer or the foyer moved one of the great and helpful assumptions being behind creating attractional churches is that Sunday morning is the first experience with church. Guess what? That's no longer true. Now, almost everyone who attends your church for the first time has already been to your church online. We all know this. If you don't have a good online experience and a good way where people can go to your website and get a taste of what it's going to be like, get the information they need to make their first visit, you're really, really missing out. There's way more to it than that. But if you don't have at least those two, you're really going to miss out on new people coming. That's the case whether you have a completely amazing online experience, he says, a killer website, and an on-point social media presence, or whether you have a website from 2008. Trust me, people who are interested in Christianity or your church have already checked you out long before they step through the front doors. And if you have an online service, they've been with you for at least a week, sometimes months or beyond. Not convinced they're checking out your channels? Well, 
There is the internet. Trust me, if they have spiritual questions, they've Googled their way to spiritual answers, good or bad answers, long before they set foot in your church. The pandemic has only accelerated this trend, which uh, of all means the foyer moved. The implication of this, he says, when someone shows up at your church now, they're likely to want a little more than they did a decade ago or two ago when they first, when the first visit was truly their first exposure to your church or to Christianity. They're ready to go a little further, somewhat faster, because they've already taken their first step. This is a massively helpful insight. In the old days, two decades ago, even a decade, well, two decades ago, People that came to your church were experiencing everything for the first time. So the more attractional, seeker-friendly, sensitive movement was very common because this is the first time maybe they're exposed to your church or exposed to a church at all. So let's let them kind of wade in. Let's let them ease their way in. Whereas now, by the time somebody shows up in person, they are very much acclimated to your church. So if you don't get them engaged sooner, they are going to lose interest. Will you still end up with some people at the back with arms crossed wanting to hide out in the dark? Of course, but you likely have more who want to sample something real, who want to experience something different, and who are ready to engage faster. That doesn't mean you should bring them into a complete insider experience that's impossible to understand or access, but it does mean they're likely hungrier for more than they were a decade ago, he says. Number two, people want transformation, not information. This is huge. Attractional church has seen thousands, probably millions of people move into authentic relationship with Jesus. Please hear that. But sometimes what we've done, I say we because I've done this, he says, Carrie Newhoff says, is we tend to share information about Jesus or Christianity when we preach or host services. There was a day when that was really helpful, and that's still not an entirely bad instinct. Who, after all, wants to lose people completely? But remember, we now have the internet that's completely intertwined with daily life. We are all we are all drowning in a sea of information. Fast forward to church, and guess what? People aren't looking for information. They're looking for transformation. When people come to your church these days, fewer are looking for information about God. They're looking for an experience with God. Very interesting. They're not looking for information about God. They're looking for an experience with God. Today, information is everywhere. Transformation is scarce. Too many people who have been to church know about God, not enough know God. So I think a good question to ask there is when people come to your church, do they get information about God merely or do they also experience God in a real way? Number three, transcendence is connecting more than imminent right now. Both the digital explosion and the cynicism of our age have left people hungering for a transcendent touch. Think about the explosive rise of porn. People are searching for intimacy, but in porn they get the opposite. They're looking for more. People are hungry for true community, deeper experiences, and authentic transcendence. This is why churches that are growing are focusing more and more on creating experiences that engage more than just the head on Sunday, but also engage the heart and relationship. In short, people don't just want to know what's true. They want to know what's real. Oh, I love this distinction. What's true and what's real. Those are going to be one and the same, but you cannot communicate a truth and expect it to be felt as real. It takes work. And what's real is deeper than just an idea. It's an experience, he says. 
They come looking for something bigger than themselves and something, frankly, bigger than us. They come looking for God. It's a shame when people come to church looking for God only to find us. God in his nature is both imminent and transcendent. A few decades ago, as the culture slipped away from church, focusing on the imminence of God brought many back. But the cultural shift of the last decade and a half have left people, especially younger people, longing for the transcendent. This should be no surprise because of course the heart naturally longs for God. Sometimes we just Sometimes we just long for God a bit differently than our parents did. I think the best future churches will have content that leans towards the imminent, practical, helpful, and digestible, again, being completely obtuse and incomprehensible or insider-focused helps no one. And the future churches will also offer experiences that feel transcendent, a sense that you had to be there to experience what happened. This is a massive, massive thing to understand. Future churches, though they will be imminent, right, practical, helpful, digestible, they will also offer experiences that feel transcendent, a sense that you had to be there to experience what happened. I go to a church that is like this. You have to be there to truly experience what happens. We wa- we've watched online. We've attended services. When we attend, it is so much better. The best church, best churches will offer both because that reflects the character and nature of God and the character and nature of the Christian church at its best. Huge point. Number four, downloadable experiences have become resistible experiences. Downloadable experiences have become resistible, completely resistible. Church online is new, so we're all trying to figure out, understood. I think online provides a huge front door to everyone you're trying to reach. Everyone you're trying to reach with with the love of Jesus Christ is online. So how do you navigate that tension of having everything you do available online and in person? Why would people bother to come at all? Fundamentally, the consumption of content is also leaving people hungry for greater community, greater experience, and greater transcendence. This is interesting. As there's more content to consume, more information to consume, people actually want something better or greater than that, community experience and transcendence. So here's what he says. Many growing charismatic churches are doing this. They're offering experiences that, when watched online, leave you longing for the real in-person thing. How? Running through that list, we started with growing churches designed their in-person experience to move people quickly from anonymity to a sense of belonging. So maybe this would be something where you have an immediate next step every single week that people can take. Focus on the engagement of the heart, not just the head, both in the message and in the music and overall experience. Offer more variety of services than three songs and a message. Facilitate more passionate expressions of worship. Create moments and additional space during the service for prayer. Put more thought into engaging a variety of emotions and personalities. He says, if everything your church does in the future feels downloadable, all, all you, you'll get is lots of downloads, not many gathered people. If what your church does touches the soul, people will continue to gather. People are coming to church expecting to meet God. Don't let them settle for meeting you or something they could have half listened to while working out. This is huge. People are coming to church to experience expecting to meet God. Don't let them settle for meeting you or something they could have half listened to while working out that is so well said. To put simply, if people feel like they missed nothing when they missed church, 
they'll keep missing church. Number five, passions beating polish. If you've been around the church world for the last few decades, it's easy to think that you need to po- need polish to pull off effective ministry. Another $50,000 for lights or sound and you'll be good. To be sure, charismatic churches have some amazing production, but if you're sitting there thinking that you need a better soundboard, some new LEDs, and a much better band to reach people, think again. Passion is free and passion beats polish. The effective churches I've visited and seen recently by no means had the best lights, stage, or production. Some had almost no stage and no lights, while others had a pretty decent setup, but not nearly the level you see at some churches. What did they all have in common? He says, passion. When it comes to reaching the next generation, passion beats polish. It's not that polish is bad. I'm all for great environments and seeing people fully use their gifts to create amazing experiences. But I think polish falls flat unless accompanied by a raw passion that exudes from leaders who love connecting people with God. In some of the growing churches I've personally visited, smaller facilities and stage sets were more compensated for by preachers, worship leaders, and team members who exuded passion for the mission. I think this is really, really helpful to understand. You may not have the budget to have the nicest, most fancy, most uh, tech-heavy setup, but passion goes a long way. Passion goes a long way when you're communicating, like from your mouth as a preacher, and it goes a long way in your overall church experiences. One caveat, he says, don't fake passion. People can smell fake from a mile away and don't exaggerate it. People, different people have different levels of passion. But if yours has faded, rekindle it, pray about it, evoke what's there and bring it to church. I think that's really helpful to understand. In an age where nothing seems real anymore, people are looking for authenticity, church, we have it. A few reminders, a few notes before you finish up. He says, weird is still weird. The attractional movement has done a great job reminding us all that we have guests in the room. And while the foyer may have moved, someone's first Sunday is still a huge deal. So that's no excuse to be self-indulgently weird. Authentic doesn't mean weird. So don't be weird. Emotional Emotionalism won't win the day, he says. This is the next warning. Another trend I've seen is this next generation of preachers under 40s seem to preach more than they teach. Interesting. Another trend I've seen is that this next generation of preachers under 40s, that would include me, seem to preach more than they teach. It's always hard to define the exact difference between the two, but simply put, preaching speaks more to the heart and teaching speaks more to the head. Preachers facilitate an experience. Teachers convey information. I think the best pastors will do well both, do both well. I think this is a really good distinction that he makes. Teaching conveys information. Preaching facilitates an experience and the best pastors will do both. So don't view yourself merely as a preacher. Zoom out a little bit and see yourself for what you are. You are a pastor leading a congregation, caring for a flock. And a pastor will both preach, right, facilitate an experience, speak to the heart, aim towards life change, and a pastor will also teach, speak to the head, convey information. The best pastors do both well. Preaching without solid teaching can become emotionalism. Teaching without preaching can become intellectualism. So good. Preaching without solid teaching is all emotions, right? You just got to feel a certain way, do a certain thing, be passionate, be motivated, reject this, embrace that. That's emotionalism. 
teaching without preaching becomes intellectualism, right? Where it's all just, here's what you need to know. Here's how you need to think. Here's what you need to ponder and consider. And without a, an attachment of the emotion of the heart, it is left empty and mere intellectualism. Preaching leads people to say, that's right, I need to change. Teaching can lead people to say, he's right, that's a good point. I default toward teaching, so this is a challenge for me, he says. This is what Kerry Newhoff says. Remember the people you're trying to reach. The church is still one of the few organizations that exist for the sake of its non-members. Doubt that? Well, aren't you glad someone didn't decide the church was done before you were introduced to the love of Jesus? By the way, that's a great question. I love the way he says that because as soon as he say, says the organization exists for the sake of non-members, there are people in churches who will say, wait, wait, wait a second, the church is for me, I'm a member. So for him to say, aren't you glad someone didn't decide the church was done? Like we're closing up shop. Too bad you didn't make it in. We're pulling up the ladder behind us, right? He says, no, they, they didn't do that. They let you in. For sure, you need to care for the people you have, but never to the exclusion of the people you're called to reach. Churches that overfocus on the needs of insiders will eventually only have insiders. And when that happens, you missed the mission. So none of us want to miss the mission that we've been called to and that has been set before us. Now, you may not theologically be charismatic or you may be theologically charismatic, but that's not really the point. The point is how these churches have managed to become the kind of churches that are engaging the experience of the heart is something we can learn from. So Kerry makes these five reasons why attractional, seeker-sensitive is kind of losing ground to charismatic, and there's some very specific reasons why. I would love to hear what you think in the comments below if you're watching here on YouTube. I will say I see this firsthand. I go to a church that has a background and some underpinnings of charismaticism or Pentecostalism. It's a non-denominational church. I don't think they would come out and say that they're Pentecostal necessarily, but there is that background and I can see where this is coming from. I can see what he's talking about. Having grown up very Baptist and Baptistic non-denominational, being at a church now that is different than anything I've experienced, I can actually see firsthand what he's talking about and it is true what he's saying. Doesn't mean every church needs to become charismatic. It doesn't mean you have to become theologically different than you are now. That would be inauthentic. But you can learn from the passion. You can learn from the heart and you can see why what you're doing may or may not be working the way you want it to. And you can pray for God to lead you maybe to change in a way that would be in line with how you should reach the people that you're called to reach. I think there's just a lot that we can gain from this. Now, I, I'll mention Kerry Newhoff, the last time I checked, I don't think he's charismatic. I, I could be wrong, but I know his background, I'm pretty sure, was Presbyterian, which typically isn't charismatic in its leaning. But I don't know where he is now, but it's interesting that he's able to make these uh, observations from a place that he's in. And I think maybe we can do the same and learn from it as well. So let me know what you think in the comments. If you're listening on one of the several podcast players that we're on, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to leave a review, especially if it's five stars. I'll see you in the next episode. Remember until then, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast. Thank you.